I do think leaders have a multiplier role. Sometimes that's a burden, oftentimes it's a privilege. Leaders need to be the most visible and the best and the most systematic allies of all. This is In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Corinne Lines. And I'm Suchi Srinivasan. Each episode, we have meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders and allies in digital, business, and technology. In this special episode, we're speaking to our first male guest, Christoph Schweitzer, CEO of BCG. Christoph has been with BCG for over 25 years, working his way from a summer intern role through the ranks to his current position. On top of his work at BCG, Christoph is a member of several leading organizations, including the Business Roundtable and the World Economic Forum's International Business Council. Christoph takes allyship seriously. For the last three years, he was recognized as a hero's advocate executive role model by involved people for his work related to the hiring, promotion, and retention of women. He believes that taking an active role in boosting the careers and lives of women is vital. Here's my conversation with Christoph. I'm Christoph Schweitzer. I'm the CEO of BCG. I've been in that role for the past 18 months with the firm for the past 25 plus years. I live in Munich in Germany and have spent a meaningful part of my 25 years plus with BCG all around the world, in particular in the U.S., having spent many years in New York and in other parts of the U.S. Can you describe your career path a little bit, sort of leading up to your current role? I know it's been very diverse. Well, the decisive moment for me to join BCG was actually an internship I did as a summer associate in 96 before I finished university. And I spent three months with BCG. I loved it. I was excited about it. And thankfully, they decided to make me an offer at the time and I accepted it. So I did join the Munich office in late 97. And that was the first big milestone. I then started to focus on healthcare and within healthcare, more specifically on the medical technologies sector. That became my case for election to managing director and partner in 2005. And ever since, I really spent a lot of time working in that sector. I led our global healthcare practice and years later became responsible for all our practice areas before flipping from leading practice areas to becoming the head of large parts of Europe and the Middle East, one of four regions in BCG at the time. And then in 2021, in May, I got elected by BCG's partners to become the next CEO. So that's been my job for the past 18 months. And that is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing a little about your career and your journey along the way. Can you share what have the women in your life been like and how have they inspired you? I mean, starting with my mom, actually, even before her, my grandmother was born way before the Second World War and after the World War had four kids and no husband and basically had to bring up four siblings without any education. I mean, there was not a time when women got a lot of training or even graduated from high school or anything like that. And she brought up that family largely on her own with incredible hard work, exceptionally humble. But as a person, she was uniquely caring and empathetic. And so one thing I certainly learned from her is that hard work and being a very warm person and highly empathetic can go hand in hand. And she was just such a wonderful person and inspiration for the whole family. And I remember her very fondly. Now, if I 
look at the generation following me, my daughters, Luisa, who is now about to turn 17, and Greta, who is 14. They are just wonderful. I have so much admiration and excitement about the next generation. I mean, all this talk about, yeah, Gen Z, and are they actually still willing to work? And don't they have just crazy expectations? I observe the total opposite. I think there's a generation coming that is hugely talented. That's totally digital. Corinne, you work in the digital arena. This is a generation where you will not need any upskilling or training for them. It just flows naturally. They talk about climate and sustainability with a much higher level of education and affection than most other people do. It's totally ingrained in their brain. And they are amazingly global. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's wonderful to hear that you've been privileged to have such amazing women in your life. Now shifting more to your role in the workplace, can you share what allyship means to you? The technical definition of allyship would be that it's a person who supports and advocates for a group or a population which they are not a part of. And I do think that's really important because that can be any type of group, right? It can be women, um, which is what we are talking about here. It can be racial or ethnic minority. It can be LGBTQ or any other group that is underrepresented and maybe uh, not as supported and uh, heard and uh, encouraged as they should be. Now, look, well, what do I observe and what do I think defines a good and strong and compelling ally in day-to-day -day business? First of all, I think it's a reactive element. And secondly, it's a proactive element. So reactively, there are all these situations every single day where stuff happens, people say something, people behave in a certain way that is just either biased or ignorant or openly discriminating. And I do think allyship means that you speak up and that you speak up in no matter what setting it is, even if it's highly uncomfortable to raise your hand and sometimes raise your voice and just push back. And I do observe that strong allies actually don't care so much who else is in the room and that they point out behaviors and statements that they just feel highly uncomfortable with. That's the reactive part. But proactively, I do think strong allies lead by example and they make decisions, they communicate and they take care of people in a way that is leading by example. And that can be so many different things as a leader, how you lead and motivate your team, how you encourage them, how you support them in moments of difficulty, how you give them platform to thrive, how you give them energy and continued coaching and sparring to navigate through the difficulties that they face. And in my mind, it's both. It's a reactive and proactive part that needs to come together for anyone to be a great ally. How do you reconcile being the leader of BCG and being a day-to-day -day ally? Being a leader means you are under a magnifying class with pretty much anything you do and say, and also what you don't do and don't say. Everything gets amplified. Look, if you make the right decision, if you make the right call, if you make the right statement, it goes such a long way for the situation in and of itself, but it has a second, third, fourth order effect because others get inspired, others get encouraged to also act and speak up. And I do think leaders have a multiplier role. Sometimes that's a burden. Oftentimes it's a privilege. And um, that's why leaders need to be the most visible and the best and the most systematic allies of all. Thank you so much for mentioning that. The multiplier effect cannot be understated for sure. And I know you've had a long history in this already, but how have you approached bringing more women into the workforce? What have you done to help BCG find women at the recruitment stage, for example? 
I remember the early days of being a leader in BCG as a sector leader, then as a practice leader, then many years later as a regional head for Europe and the Middle East. In those early days, Corinne, when we were talking about what share of our recruiting should be women or in other respects, racial or ethnic minorities, etc., I remember the discussions when we were at like 20% women of our total intake. And the question was, well, can we take it to 25? And people were reacting and saying, well, this is going to be really hard. And I asked, so why? I mean, tell me just empirically, if you go to the core recruiting pools where we are active, <laughs> the share of women is at least close to 50%, in some cases above 50%. So why is this hard? And now you look at the stats for BCG. At this very moment, women represent 48% of all new hires, actually more than 40% of our entry-level consultants. At this point, also close to 45% of our global staff altogether. So we have proven that it's possible. And you just cannot accept any self-constrained statements and observations what's possible and what's not possible. What did we do to get there? Well, first of all, you do need to be exceptionally focused on delivering what you set out to do. Secondly, you need to build a recruiting muscle that is able to target and convince women to join BCG. We have done that. And, you know, the arguments why women join BCG are, of course, to a large degree similar, but not 100%. To some degree, they are specific. And you need to have the right messages, the right value proposition, the right role models, the right success stories. And we have doubled down on that. And I do think we have so many fantastic women at BCG who are now incredibly visible, incredibly successful, and such fantastic role models and allies and coaches and mentors that the machine keeps running. And um, I do see a BCG where we will be at 50% of staff, the share of women growing throughout our entire uh, pyramid and all the ranks. Yeah, something that we hear a lot is that women just aren't supported to stay in their careers and they often don't make it into the leadership positions. Can you tell us what the benefits are of having more women leaders? Corinne, I have experienced that in many leadership roles in BCG. I've seen how teams led by women or co-led by women at least deliver better impact for our clients, uh, where also the client satisfaction is measurably higher, where in cases where we have some parts of our fees at risk, we actually have a higher probability of collecting the variable amounts if there are women involved in the leadership. So this goes way beyond just, yeah, we are more innovative and more creative. This goes into a hardcore uh, measurable financial metrics. I've seen it all over the years, and I'm deeply convinced that the higher the share of women uh, in our leadership, the stronger we are. We are making a lot of progress. We still have a way to go there. But fundamentally, I've seen ample evidence that it just makes us stronger as a firm and that it makes our clients more successful. That's amazing to hear. There's so much evidence to support the benefits of having more women leaders. Can you talk a little bit about how BCG is tackling the challenge of retaining women in the workforce? First, I'm proud that at BCG for more than a decade, we have equal retention and promotion rates for women and men within our consulting team. So that's great. Now, despite that, there are still many challenging situations, in particular around caregiving, which still disproportionately falls to women. 
that has the capacity to set women's careers back. That has been a breakpoint for so many years. And we had to, to build the whole muscle around support for caretakers, support also for men to take paternity leave for dual income, or dual career couples. This is not just a question how you support the women, but it's the general question, how do you as a firm support families that have small kids? And we have stepped up our support both for the women, but also for the men with children. And I mean, it's just a must do. And then there are so many other elements around flex models, around part-time models, around particular coaching and mentorship models. I mean, it's just important to acknowledge that many of our core people processes are still geared towards men. They were typically designed by men and they are oftentimes in many companies still run by men. And you need to change the entire HR and people machine. And we have made huge progress on that along all aspects of it, from reviews and evaluations to career development decisions, to training, to mentoring, to promotions, to flex models, to new career options, potentially with secondments. You need to play the full array to ultimately make the machine a lot more equitable, inclusive, and um, that's certainly my focus as CEO. It's one of my top priorities. We look at our diversity, equity, and inclusion stats in every one of our executive committee meetings, of which we have multiple across the year. And it's just a key metric which we apply to evaluate how our leaders are doing. Are they contributing to progress? And are they great role models and great allies themselves? So, Christoph, are you, I know you have an incredibly busy schedule. Are you a mentor today? And if so, or maybe in the past, how does that look for you? I am a mentor formally and even more importantly, informally to what I would say a meaningful number of women leaders, but also more junior women in BCG and former BCGers who are now clients uh, or working in industry. And I have the privilege to be in touch with many of them and follow their career in a way, encourage them, support them, coach them. And I'm just blown away by the talent. I'm blown away by the passion, the commitment, the drive, and also the success. So absolutely, I'm a mentor and I take it very serious. It starts with the fact that you just put regular check-ins and meetings on the calendar. And that's a priority. You don't just cancel those or move those. And it continues with what I would say the willingness to dive into the particular situation and context. Every situation is different. That's not a women-only situation. For a man that you are mentoring, it's exactly the same. You need to understand what exactly is going on and what are the pain points, what are the frustrations, what are the bottlenecks, what are the constraints, and how can you help them navigate those? What I observe, Corinne, is that no matter where you are in the business world, in large companies, small companies, startups, private equity firms, banks, or even in government, there's still so much unconscious bias in so many things that are happening every day in how actions and how conversations get interpreted, how exactly the same thing done or said by a male colleague is something different than by a female colleague. There's so much unconscious bias in how reviews get written, how evaluations get done. And I do observe that myself. And I do think it's just incredibly important that you spot those and that you also help your mentees to navigate through those. That was my conversation with Christoph. Suchi, what were some of your key takeaways from this conversation with Christoph? 
was such an amazing conversation, Corinne. Loved listening to it. I think, apart from the fact, of course, that, you know, yeah, got to hear Christoph in a bit of a different light than the everyday role as CEO of BCG, which was, of course, really fun. I liked that he focused on a few topics that actually aren't enough getting talked about in these dialogues around diversity. He talked about these measurable business outcomes and financial outcomes, which is, for example, increased client impact, increased client satisfaction. These are hardcore numbers that can be measured and it's great for the business to be able to have women leaders on teams to be able to improve financials, you know, collecting fees at risk, which is something that consulting companies do a lot, to be able to show greater collection of fees at risk when women are on the teams. I mean, that is just hardcore in terms of the um, actual financial measurements. It's just good business sense. Absolutely. Bottom line, get women in your team, greater profitability. It's amazing. Corinne, you had a great conversation with him. What stood out for you as you went through this? One of the things I really love that he shared was that sort of, you know, going back, he's got this huge tenure, like 25 years with BCG. And it's like, you know, go back 20 years. And we were saying, okay, well, can we have 15% of our population be women? And everyone, oh, that's crazy. That can never be possible. And then, okay, and then they accomplish it. And then they set it, you know, two years later, let's set it for 20. And then, oh, this is nonsense. We're never going to get there. And then they hit it again and again and again. And it's just a matter of targeting a certain number and just believing that you can do it and kind of forcing the people around you to say, this can be done. Well, that's all for today. This has been In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. Join us every episode to hear meaningful conversations with women leaders in digital business and technology. Thank you so much for listening.